0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Here we are. Welcome to a special edition of the Indie Cafe on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio. This is Holly Steffi, and we have an amazing show today about um, a documentary that Steve um, Sells did um, on Rumble. It's called The Indians Who Rocked the World. and This is a 2017 documentary film about Native um, Indians of Canada. In the United States, who became rock and roll musician. And um, it's, it's just really amazing how this all just kind of touches on so many different people that are in the industry. And um, I have both myself and my co-host, Spencer Drake and Stevie, which we're going to bring into the studio right now. And we opened up, obviously, with a really cool Link Ray song called Rumble. So let me bring both Stevie and Spencer into the studio. Stevie and Spencer, are you there? You guys there? Yes. Rock and roll. What'd you think of that song? That's a. <laughs> I love that song. That's you know, a, you know, that's a, I a, must.
2: I must tell you, I've heard that song about eight million times this year while we've been promoting the <laughs> film. So I hey, bet. But it never gets old. Hey, listen.
0: No, I've got to mention
3: something on the show uh, so mm. everybody knows. Uh, uh, I'm a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm in the uh, vinyl collection, Stevie. And uh, the honor this year is that Steve, Link Ray is being nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So everybody should know that. I know, right? Yep. Yeah, we we worked. Yeah,
1: it's very really cool. Really on that for several years. Yep. You, you want to yes, hear something? They else finally did cool? it. I want to hear I, I'll it I'll Yeah, so Let's let's, it. let's hear it. You go for it. It's your show, Stevie. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what's well, cool okay, and so also
2: out rumble <laughs> check it out well so the other two, two we had the last couple of nights i was in la i'm in austin now but I, I got home this morning but uh two nights ago in in austin we had a rumble screening at the grammy museum and on my panel with me i had elliot easton from the cars who's also nominated this year for the rock and roll hall, hall of Fame, yep. right, well of as, I yeah well as well wayne kramer from the mc5 Hmm. so yeah wayne kramer from yep. the mc5 was also on the panel with me so i had we, we and all we talked about was link
1: with our two other uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. Wow. I saw that and you know there's so much different so many people that are in, in music in this film. It was hard for me to choose what music to play. Um it was really hard because you've got a great soundtrack. This is this is a great, great, great soundtrack. Um some of my favorite songs I couldn't believe that were that were just part of this. Um And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, because I saw the Grammy, um, I saw the discussion about the panel discussion you did recently in the, um, you know, in the trade papers, Um, they were talking about it, actually. So um, why don't we start the show off with you introducing yourself and a little bit about Rumble and what it's about, and... um, what inspired you to do it and, and about all the different amazing people that you've had to work with on this? Hmm.
2: Well, you know, it, it <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a native uh-huh. American guitar player, right? But I, but I spent my whole life in awesome. San Diego surfing and I got out of high school. Moved to and moved. And one of the mm, best I, I hear, and one of the best
1: guys hear, one of the I
2: think I'm overrated. I'm overrated. But, you no. know, um, I'll tell you something. And well, I started playing guitar in 1988 with Rob Stewart. It was my first band after my high school band, so I kind of made it pretty quick. And While I was out there mm-hmm. on the road playing, you know, Madison Square Gardens and all these places as a young kid, I started to just start searching for other Native American musicians thinking I couldn't possibly be the only one. So I started to learn mm-hmm. as a hobby about a lot of these guys like Jesse Ed Davis and, and Link Ray and, and uh, Buffy St. Marie and Robbie Robertson and... and When it got later into the – well, actually, in 1994, I was in the recording studio with the Rolling Stones. They were doing Voodoo Lounge, and Ronnie Wood told me this amazing story about Jesse Ed. Voodoo Lounge, yeah. Yeah, well, when Mm -hmm. he talked about Jesse Ed. Davis, it was like he was talking about a superhero, and I thought to myself, wow, Ronnie Wood would be – and Keith Richards would be everybody's idea of a superhero, but to those guys, Jesse Ed. Davis was a hero, and I thought – you know, Native Americans mm-hmm. people need to know about. There, there, there's these amazing role models out there that nobody right. knew about. So that's set right. that in sort of mm-hmm. a process. You know, I created a, uh, in the early 2000s, I created an exhibit with a guy called Tim Johnson, who was the co-director of the Smithsonian National of American Indian. Mm-hmm. And, him and I created an exhibit mm-hmm. there uh, on the same subject. And it was hugely popular in New York and Washington, D.C. And after that, I went, uh, went ahead and uh, started searching for filmmakers to make a movie with and I met the Resolution Pictures in Canada, and we, you know, four years later, here we are traveling all over the planet, talking about these amazing Native American musicians.
1: Yeah. yeah the m- I have to the tell movie, you, uh, when I was in really, um, Hopi, the really were, oh, we're talking uh, over each other, Spencer.
3: Oh. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Out. Okay. 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 I, I, I just tried to say something. <laughs> um, uh, Stevie, I Go saw ahead, the movie ben. at I, I saw the movie at the Tribeca Film Festival. And I got to tell you, I almost cried through half of it. I mean, uh, it just really uh, says uh, passionately about Native American musicians and what they went through, right? Like Link Ray with his song and the struggle. And um, uh, one thing that hit me that Ozzy Osbourne said was really interesting. He said his drummer was Native American, and I had to have him as my as my drummer because he knew the beat. That always hit me, Stephen.
2: Yeah, he had uh, Robert Trujillo from Metallica, who was also um, Hispanic and Native American. He, uh, he told that story because Ro- Robert was a bass player. Before he was in Metallica, he was Ozzy's bass player. And, uh, wow. and Ozzy would tell him yeah. that you know he liked the rhythm that the Native American musicians and the Hispanic musicians had was, a, was on a deeper level than he, than, that, that he was getting from his English musicians. And, that, and it's something he was really searching for. It was pretty cool.
1: Wow. Very wonderful. much so. Mhm. Well, you know what I found really interesting about this was when I actually experienced some of being on the on on the, you know, Mesa and also, you know, seeing the Native American musicians, the people that were coming there and playing. Um it was amazing how there are so much talent there and they're looking for ways to get the word out there and like you said this is like such a great way to show all the different people that have brought so much to the industry that people don't understand and don't really know the history behind so this film itself is just such a great you know complimentary um you know example of what we're missing in you know our culture not really knowing about it now you are apache correct Yes. Stevie? Yeah, Hi. that's fantastic. Yeah. and
2: You know, it is It is how I was born, yes, indeed.
1: It yeah, was, uh, so... And
2: it's, it's a, here, here's the thing. I wanted to... You know, I talk uh-huh. a lot in Indian country. I spent, the, I, spent, I spent the first half of my career as a musician. You know, I had a recording contract, and I sold a few million albums, and I'd play guitar with Mick Jagger, and Justin Timberlake, and all these type of people. And I would go to Indian country to... For selfish reasons to to find grounding, I needed to ground myself from all the madness that I was constantly putting myself into, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun by the way, but I needed to have balance <laughs> and, um, yeah so i, I wanted to sh- you know make this film originally just to inspire people to know that these people did amazing things against all odds they have um and they know still know are I mean? yep. many of them hiding the fact that they were Native American. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. that's why a lot of people didn't know the story, because most people hid the fact Mm -hmm. that they were indeed Native American because of the, you know, the early traumas of uh, the development of our country in North America, you know, United States and Canada. What was happening to Native American people in the early 1900s and mid-1900s, you know, nobody really wanted to be a Native American because, you know, only bad things were going on, so… That's why this this was sort totally. of a mystery.
3: I mean, I mean, the thing that I liked about the movie is you combine also the history. Like, I mean, there was some wild thing I saw. Fact that they out the actually outlawed Indian dances at a point in history. And, and, yeah, they oh, have. Like, yeah, and and then yeah. I wanted to ask you about Link Ray's song. Now, apparently, in the movies, brought out that he had a lot of struggle getting that single right out that song. Well, is that right?
2: You know. Here's what it is. Link Ray's song, there's no words on it, no lyrics, but it was banned by U.S. Radio because they thought it was going to incite teenage violence. Um, wow. And that's pretty oh, funny because yeah. it wasn't even any lyrics. There's no <laughs> words. It's just a feeling. Isn't you know, that Link crazy? Ray's a, oh, my he, God. Here's that's the thing crazy. about Link Ray. He, You know, he. That, when you hear rumble right there, that's like 1957, 58, and people don't yeah. realize mm-hmm. that's that's the first – that's the first bit of heavy metal. That's the first bit of hard rock and distorted guitar. That's the first bit of punk rock. And he inspired Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, Pete Townsend, Dave Davies yeah. of the Kinks. Oh, wow. and, you know, Jeff, Beck actually, yeah. Jeff Beck actually told me from his lips to my ears. He said, wow. you know, me and Jimmy Page, when we were 17, we used to jump around in my, the bedroom at my mom's house playing air guitar to Link Ray. I mean, I tried to picture <laughs> Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin playing air guitar. And then he went and did it in this movie called It Might Get Loud. If you watch It Might Get Loud, he plays air guitar to Link Ray. It's incredible. I mean, I yeah, was, that's I was
3: unbelievable. Up, I was brought up in the fifties. You know, the rock and roll. I collected rock and roll records. That's how I started. And I heard Rumble yeah. early. I heard Rumble. I remember listening to it on the radio, and I said, "What the hell is going on here, man? This this sound is unreal, right, Stevie? Yeah. The sound was unreal. It's
1: very." Yeah. You know what? It has a very Tarantino sound to it because this sounds like music that Tarantino would use in one of his movies, doesn't That's it? That's right.
2: Well, That's right. That's exactly. You know? right. Well, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Really. Hang on. Hang on. Okay, let me tell you. This. Okay, so I live in. Austin I want to hear. Now, I want to hear. So well, this this is you. Just funny you say that about Tarantino because Robert Rodriguez is an amazing filmmaker here in Austin, Texas. And yeah.
0: he started mm-hmm.
2: putting Link into his soundtracks and even wrote Link into his scripts of his, of his, of his films. And, wow. and he was a Link Ray fanatic. And Robert told me that he's the one that told, told Quentin when he was doing Pulp Fiction, that you got to put yeah. Link Ray in the soundtrack. <laughs> and he's in, he's in oh, the that's soundtrack funny. of Pulp Fiction. So that's, there's just three phases of Link Ray. You know, you have the birth of rock and roll in 1957 where he comes out with rumble and he's in Rawhide and he's rocking this distorted gnarly guitar. That's really aggressive. He inspires Led Zeppelin, the Jeff Beck group and, and uh, the who and all the bands that we, that went on to become the the most famous rock bands in history. Okay. Then he sort of disappears. Um, Then he comes back again in 1978. He's with Robert Gordon at the birth of punk rock in New York city. And there he is now. You know, twenty years <laughs> later, right on the scene with with the Ramones and Steve Jones and everybody watching Link Ray and he's the man again. So then he sort of disappears again into the in the in the mid eighties and you don't hear about him again until Pulp Fiction and Robert Rodriguez. When they start using him and next thing you know, Johnny Depp starts having him. He's in the soundtrack to blow. And then he yep. becomes the guy that if yep. you're a hipster and you're cool and you want to have yeah. you know, show you're cool, you put a Link Ray song on your movie soundtrack if you're a hip director and that makes you uh, Oh, definitely. Head, but, yeah, I oh, can yeah. really deal with that Definitely.
1: one. Definitely. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. what I wanted to say it is it's it's just so it's so there. It's like it is hip. It's like if you want to be hip, you put a link ray song in there. Um like you said, that's fantastic. Um you know, what I really felt also about this whole film and the document well the documentary itself, um I found there was a lot of history in it you know and a lot of really amazing things behind the music that people normally wouldn't know so that was really really interesting to me you know that i found because when you're there and you're actually experiencing it and you're seeing it like you said you grew up like that with the indigenous people and, and the communities and stuff it's so different um I went for a purification ceremony at Hopi this past uh, February. Yeah. It was so sacred. And you know, I mean, you know how it is. And the music is such a big thing. And the culture and the food and just how people are and the spirituality that goes along with it. Um, It's just so interesting, you know, for me. Oh, I was invited. And you know who? You know who else was there was Peter Coyote. Um, Bonnie Raitt um, was going to do a, you know, because I know she's a huge supporter of Native American music as well. Um, uh, she was there as well as uh, Jackson Brown's involved in a bunch of different things. And I know you have his music in your uh, documentary. So yeah. it's just he, been so Jackson interesting was how it comes outside. full circle. Oh yeah, he's Jackson, amazing. Jackson, literally, Jackson, I Jackson, I. Jackson, I Jackson,
2: Jackson, where? Oh, that's great. Like, <laughs> we did a panel together. It was great. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. And Bonnie. How? How is?
2: Well, Bonnie. And, yeah. Let me tell you something about Bonnie. Bonnie came out. I was managed by um, a very famous music guy named Bill Graham. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know when, Bill. Who was? Who was yeah. yeah. Well, I knew so Bill. When Bill passed away, Bill was my manager. When Bill passed away. Um, we had a concert uh, for him at Shoreline Amphitheater in San Francisco, and Carlos Santana played. Uh huh. And, and I was playing with he a was group of Native Jones American for me. musicians. Yeah. There you go. And so you know, I was just—we just did Rumble at the San Rafael Theater on on Sunday Sunday afternoon, so we were right there. But uh,
1: I wish so we, I'd uh, known because I mean, I'm right here in Sonoma. That's not far from I know. me. It
2: was, and it was packed. Oh too. wow. But, 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 so what happened was Bonnie showed up, and Bonnie did a song with, with a, us, a big group of Native American guys. And I have these old photos of us in Roland wow. Ribbon's mm-hmm. shirts and Bonnie singing. And it was really cool. Bonnie's an amazing lady. She is. And dad
1: was
3: I met Bonnie at uh, Lincoln Center, uh, Stevie. Uh, she's been in my life. I actually designed for her early in her life. Uh, she's an incredible singer. She has a lot of heart, and she gives to a lot of people. I pick up on her that she's very benef- into benefits, you know, Stevie stuff like that. What? Well,
2: I tried to get her in Rumble, but her manager pretty much blew me off. But uh, really, I really Oh, that's to- weird. I really wanted, that I really is. wanted Bonnie in. The- I really wanted Bonnie in the film, and I, you know, a lot of times, the- mm-hmm. how I got so many giant rock stars and celebrities in the film was I go to yeah. them directly because I knew
1: them. that's what i was going to say why didn't yeah why didn't go to her directly because she's she will she's like that yeah i didn't she's doing a that's what i was thinking. she's going to do a flyover. i didn't have a direct um oh wow i didn't have a direct she's going to do a yeah she's going to do a flyover with uh jane fonda and i apologize there's a little there's a little overlay today on the on the um, voice today for some reason, on the radio. So yeah, if we, we sound like it. we're cutting each other off, um, right. that's yeah. neither here nor there. I'm just saying, though, I apologize at Um But Stevie, um, uh, Bonnie, and Jane Fonda and Jackson Brown and, um, believe it or not, Daryl Hannah and um, uh, Peter Coyote, they're all going to do the flyover SOS over by the Grand Canyon, where they want to, you know, build a wow. build something over there, and uh, they're going to do a actual flyover, and uh, they're going to be fly-over? part of it. So, um, they're going to they're going to fly, meaning that they're going to form a human SOS on the ground, and oh. they're going to fly a plane over and film it. The, oh, whole, the whole whole thing of the SOS, meaning, you know, with the waters. The waters are really important right now. They want to shut the coal mines down because it's mm. starting some issues there on Hopi territory. Um, mm. But, you know, um, but I was there for the purification ceremony where the Mother Raven comes into the town and they go into the Katinas and uh, all the different... Um, all the different things that we got to experience that day. I mean, it was like a 24-hour thing. It starts really early in the morning and ends at night. You know how the ceremonies go. Um, But the music is such a huge part. It was beautiful. All the instruments that they make, they hand make the instruments. And one guy did, um, he was the lightning god. And he had a a metal, um, like a, piece of aluminum, but he made lightning the sound of lightning with it. So they're very. I mean, it's very. Did you see that as you were growing up? How you were using different things for instruments?
2: Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, and we used to have a a group. uh, Randy Castillo from Ozzy and I used to when we get Mm -hmm. off of our big like arena tours, we would go to Taos and we had a group there with some native guys in Taos and um the drummer had a whole trap kit that was made from all handmade native drums made you know you know oh, and, wow. with real skins yeah, and, and you know to, to tune the drums you'd have to get his hair dryer out and heat it up and and we would play we <laughs> some native rock shows with <laughs> this style of stuff it was all really really cool you know and acoustic and and yeah so you know i've been around all that of course
3: have you been we didn't, Rumble, Steve, I wanted to ask you. I'm, I'm a member of the Native, on, well, American Muse- uh, Native American Museum in New York. Uh, Do you ever come down here right? into New York and see the museum?
2: Well, I worked there. I worked there for four years, and I created the Up Where We Belong: Natives and Popular Culture exhibit that ran there for a year. Fantastic! Wow, it's a Fantastic. great museum. It's a wonderful museum. I belong to.
3: It's a great museum in New York. Oh
2: North. yeah, yeah. If you see Peter 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 Brill down there, tell him I said hello. I you will. Know, I definitely will. Around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used to work I used to work there. Wow. Was, you know, for that's being a yep. I got I got uh, I well, out of high school and I'm You're you know, I'm playing rock guitar with Mick Jagger. CD.
1: Wow.
2: Well <laughs> my got, point is is that yeah. you wouldn't expect me to be working at the Smithsonian, but you know, I did a spin there and it was no. really exciting and it, that's it was beautiful. pretty cool. I
3: loved it. tell us about your uh, uh stint with Rod Stewart. Tell us about your thing with Rod Stewart.
2: Well, Rod Stewart wasn't as cool as playing with Mick Jagger, but Rod Stewart was cool because Rod <laughs> was uh, my first band. You know, Rod yeah. took me when I was, you know, I had a small, I had a hit record with a band called Wasn't Was, Not was and I was working with, and I'd scored a movie called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that was becoming this gigantic film. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, uh, I love that movie. Done yeah, things. it's great. And then you know, Bootsy Collins and George Clinton, and and all of a sudden Rod put me in this band with. You know, it did, and we just instantly were in a private plane doing stadiums and, and, and football, you know, arenas and and uh, it was just changed my life and it it, uh, it it catapulted me from, you know, it just changed my whole life. And if I wouldn't have got that gig with Rod Stewart, who knows how my life would have ended up. Right. So Rod was Rod taught me so much. He taught me how to play sports arenas. A, there's an art to making a a sports arena feel like a tiny little intimate room, and he's the king of it. And I loved it. Oh, you know, nice. I stayed in the band as long as I could. Yeah, and, and then I got signed to Island Records, and, uh, and I, I had to leave the band. But being with Rod was like being with my big brother. And the whole band mm-hmm. were like Glenline Rowhouse and David Bowie was the bass player. And Jeff Gollum, right. amazing well, Jeff at the time. So I learned so much from those guys. It was an incredible incredible learning experience for me.
3: Do, tell us, I, really I want learned. to bring in something that's a little off the wall, but your book You have a book called When We Were the Boys. It's a great book. And what I want to talk about is is one thing in the book, because I I don't know if you know that. I designed for the Ramones. Mm. And you you bring in this little Uh sentence in there that you were really impressed by Johnny Ramones' power chords and how Ed Stasium was on our show, by the way. He's a very good friend of mine. And uh, how he brought that out in the recording. Could you talk about that?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny, as Eddie uh, Eddie now lives, I'm from San Diego, a little town called Oceanside in Carlsbad, California, and now Eddie just... You know, Love it. So, so mm-hmm. I flew home the other day and played a benefit, uh, and my neighbor was Ron Blair from Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker, so me and him and Bernard wow. Collins and Stones were friends, and Eddie, I invited Eddie out, and Eddie came and played rhythm guitar with us all night. It was super fun. <laughs> so yeah, so Stasium, Stasium's still rocking and looking good. He is, uh, but he But yeah, is. you know, the is, you know, Johnny Ramone, um, you know, when punk rock came out and the Ramones came out, a lot of my friends, I was uh, in sixth grade, I believe. But a lot of my friends thought, what are you listening to? This is crap. But I thought it was so cool because the guitar sounded so amazing to me. Yeah. And sure. so I was, I was big on the Ramones, you know, when a lot, and, and still loved Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith and those other bands. Right. I, I saw the connection because of Johnny, Johnny's amazing guitar. You know, Marky's actually in Rumble as well.
3: Yeah, Marky's Mark yep. a good friend of mine. Stevie, Marky's a very good friend of mine. We're very, you know, because I've, I've been on his show and stuff like that. But i got to tell you something. The thing that really rocked me in your book is that you brought out about Johnny Ramone and how he played. And a lot of people don't talk about that. And you're right. You're absolutely hit it right on the head, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, he was the man for me. You know, he was mean as hell to me. I don't know why, but he used to hang out when he moved to L.A. before he died. Um, you know, we'd all go to the same little places. We were hung with the same group, and my, one of my best friends, Slim Jim Phantom from the Stray Cats, used to hang out with Johnny. Locke. they were baseball oh. fanatics, and uh, but Johnny <laughs> was always kind of a prick to me. He was never really? nice to me, and I don't know why. And I didn't, and I didn't care. I was like, whatever. He's Johnny Ramone. Wow. You know, I don't care. I don't. You know, he but he was yeah. a, he was like a growly, surly kind of little guy. Uh, and but but still, I didn't care. I, I I admired his the way he played so much. You know, the first yeah. time I ever went to CBGBs, I went with all four Ramones. Um, I was in New York uh, making my first oh, wow. Telecode album, and uh, J- and Joey came by to talk to Bill Laswell, my producer. And Joey mm-hmm. goes, "I'm going to go to CBGB's," and I go, "Wow, <laughs> I've never been." He goes, "You want to go?" So I went outside of Source Sound Studios, and he had there was a limo, and I got into the limo with Joey, and <laughs> the other three the other three Ramones were sitting in the car. And I'm like, oh my god! Oh, so <laughs> so that's funny. That's a great story. Yeah, so I, the first time I ever went to CBGBs, I went with all four. What'd of you
1: think friends. of it? Oh my
2: god, that's great! <laughs> you know,
1: I that is it funny. was the, it, it was the dirtiest,
2: dirtiest, place I'd ever
1: been. Yeah, it's
2: a good
1: question. Oh yeah, that's I, you a, know, like a lot of people in, I, think. Yep. I grew I
2: grew up in poverty, yep. man. So I never I wasn't one of those kind of guys that had a fascination with more poverty. You know, like a lot of my rich mm-hmm. friends who grew up as rich kids wanted to live in Silver Lake and. You know, be down with the gang members. I'm like, I grew up in that man. I never want to go back to that. So you know, no. You know, one of my one
3: of my favorite songs, Stevie, Hold is on. tell me tell tell your story. Walking. It's an incredible song.
2: Thank you, thank you. That was a big song for me. That song globally um, changed my life. Um, you know, it wasn't a hit in America, uh, but everywhere else in the world, that song was so popular that I I toured Great the song. world for three years. Three. Um, that was the Back from the Living album. I toured the world for three years because of that but I could and it's funny, but it was before social media. So I would come home to America, and everyone's like, "What have you been doing?" It's like, yeah, like, you know, you wouldn't believe it. It's like I was playing sold-out shows in Paris. They're like, "Huh?" <laughs> like, there's no social media. Wow, well, that's great. Doing. That's funny. Yeah. That's
1: fantastic. You know, um, you mentioned something to me that I can totally relate to when you said you grew up in poverty. So you grew up on the reservations. When I was at no, the I didn't grow up. I didn't, it up was... on,
2: I didn't grow up on a res. You I didn't? didn't grow up on a res.
1: Where grew, did you grow? up? You no,
2: know, I grew up in. I grew up just a simple, you know. My father made thirty grand a year, and I lived a pretty good simple mm-hmm. life. But when I was really young, I lived with my mother in Vista, and, and things were pretty crappy there. But it, I wasn't on the rest. I, I my father and, oh, wow. and my okay. mother yeah. and family had migrated from Arizona, from uh, Clifton, Arizona, okay. and, and right along the border in the Mexico area there to California. My father had left w- the country of Wyoming and fought in the Korean War, and then worked on Camp Pendleton, so Oh I wow was born in Oceanside, oh, California. Wow. I was born on the beach. I yeah. Was watching, you know, but, you know, we didn't have Oceanside, a lot of money. So. I
1: know that. Yeah, yeah. I know Oceanside yeah. very well. Um, I uh, spend a lot of time in Solana Beach and Del Mar down yeah. that way. And then Oceanside is also just really cool. There's a really great movement of music there. But as far as, Beautiful. like, um, I know when I was on the reservation, it was very, I mean, there was be- basically one bathroom for everyone to yeah. use everybody kind of like yeah. ha, you know had to like share and um yeah it was it was like a real eye-opener for me so we all donated money to help build bathrooms you know there at the reservation yeah oh, and um that was the whole thing you know but you know i always asked how do you transition out of here because there were a lot of people that were professionals um So that's my question to you. How did you transition out of where you were living in Oceanside? And when did you get, who gave you your first guitar? And how did you know that this is what you wanted to do?
2: Well, I'll tell you something real quick. There's, there's over 1,100 reservations in North America that don't even have running mm-hmm. water, clean running water. A lot of people don't know Isn't that crazy? That. We, we spend a lot of time you know, yeah. digging wells in Africa and doing all these amazing things for people. But we have a ton of places right here in our own country where people are you know, sick and dying because they have filthy water. And, you know, Adam Beach, the famous actor, Adam Beach, is a dear friend of mine. He yes. grew up on a res where he was still he was still using, a you know, a plastic bucket to go to the bathroom in, in his house. That's
1: what they were doing. So, yep. Yeah, I, I
2: mean, it's for so me, funny. i got to tell you something, Stevie. I, I was
3: first involved with Wounded Knee. You know, that goes back mm. with Marlon Brando and John Voight many years. Yep. And I had a lot of Native yep. Americans crashing at my apartment, believe it or not. And what I learned was very instantly – is the adaptation, you know this, Holly, the adaptation to American culture was very difficult, and it caused a lot of drinking, and you know what I'm talking about, Stevie, and just, it's not right, I always feel today it's not right, there's something wrong with it, you know, it's your land, Stevie, it's really your land, and we stole it away from you, okay, that's the real story. And and yeah. and, well, we the
1: yeah, definitely. and the
3: suffering and the suffering no yeah, the suffering that American, Native Americans are going through uh, don't deserve this and there's a lot of it and uh, as Holly's talking about reservations and the way they live yeah I mean it's terrible ter- the terrible of the disrespect of our country
1: So well, goes on
2: yeah, well the the thing the is as you were saying I think, I think if people knew. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wanted to hear really about awesome. what you were
1: saying about the running yeah. water and all that. You were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were well, let's they, finish that it, thought, okay? People
2: are just unaware. People have no idea. Mm-hmm. I know. I went to Fiji with Adam Beach to put mm-hmm. in the there was these villages where these kids were all dying and sick uh, because they have no clean water. And we I went there with a thing called GiveCleanWater.org, uh, and we were installing just simple these simple filters. Under these buckets and, and purifying the water, and within months everybody was healthy. And then, and then when I laid it on them to give CleanWater. dot org, which is a U.S. company, about the Indian reservation, mm-hmm. they did the research. They the jaws dropped because nobody really knows that, that this that this even well, happens. Oh, that's
1: what we did. That's yeah. what we did. We brought water. I actually went. I brought somebody with me, and um, I actually have spent time in Africa with Food for Africa and. And Doug Wells and uh, Pure sponsored me to do that. So we were trying to do something for the reservation, and we were actually there. I was with the um, people that were trying. We were trying to get them, the elder, the chief elders, to do a documentary. I took my friend, who also Spencer is um, knows, and we were going to do a documentary on the water, the living situation, and try to bring right. some more awareness. To everyone. So musically, I think this know. Oh, I want to, yeah. And um, I have your number here, if if that's okay. It's on the switchboard. Um, I'd like to talk to you about that, because I have some things going on. You know, Sonoma was a very big Indian. Where I'm living, it's sacred ground. Um, And it's really sad, because um, there's a lot of Indian... um, just so much here, and I actually feel it and see it, and it's just so much. Um, and people don't know it. Um, you know about Sonoma. You know the whole history behind it and the Bear Flag and all that. But um, you know, I just really, I just know that there's a lot of Indian influence here in this well in this area as well, which people are starting to recognize more. You mentioned Carlos. Carlos lives right down the street from me, and it's so funny because there's so many people in this town that you probably know, like Tommy Shaw and Jack Blades. They all live right down the street from me. I want the guy from uh, Metallica. I mean, you know, there's so many people here. And then I see them at the market, and we all go, hey, 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 what are you doing? You know, it's like, okay, you know, (laughs) and everybody just goes to open mic nights. It's crazy. You'll just walk in anywhere and see people. But getting back to your documentary how did you decide? Yeah. What was the deciding factor for you? Who Did people just come forward to you and want to be part of this documentary? Or how did, how did you formulate this? And, and tell us a little bit about the making of it, because I'd really like to hear that. The,
2: the, the thing that was important about the film was I wasn't making a film about Native American music. I was making a film mm-hmm. about a small group of musicians that influenced the most, the most iconic musicians that we know in history. Meaning, you know, you have Jesse Ed Davis playing with all four Beatles and working with Eric Clapton, and Eric Clapton playing on his records and him playing on Eric's records. You know, you have Link Ray creating the power chord, creating distorted guitar that infi- inspires the Who and Led Zeppelin, and and so that's what the film was about. And in order for me to prove this influence, as opposed to talking about it from a racial standpoint, meaning, being having a Native American musicologist say like, hey, this guy was the guy who inspired this guy. I said, I'm going to get the actual people who were inspired to say it. So I would talk to Steven Tyler and he would say, yeah, me and Joe Perry were trying yep. to figure out what Aerosmith was going to sound like, you know. And so we, we were listening to Todd mm-hmm. Hall and with Jesse Ed Davis and it was just blowing our minds and that's kind of a sound we wanted. You know? And that's, that shows direct influence on, on, on the biggest U.S. rock band in history. You know, for US, the U as far as the U.S. bands go, Aerosmith is influenced directly by Jesse Ed Davis, a Kiowa Indian. And so the film was
0: oh, made to show—that's
2: you know, yeah. what mm-hmm. the film was really about. Link Ray, that's what was important to show. Link Ray inspired Slash. You know, Slash told me he was like one day he's sitting home and he says, you know, all us guys like me and Slash, we all listen to Townsend, we all listen to Zep, you know Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton. Those were the Mount Rushmore guitar players. And so Slash asked himself one day well, who the heck were they listening to? And the name that always <laughs> came up was Link Ray. So you realize yep. Link Ray is, the, is you know, the direct, one of the mm. direct descendants of rock and roll that, that right. influenced right. everything that we know in rock guitar. That's right. And that's so I right. wanted to tell mm-hmm. that story, and that's why we had so many famous people in the film, because it was important that people, in order for people to believe this information, I right. wanted them to hear it right from the source.
1: Right. And how did how did and you like, find like, them? Did they come to I you? Get a hold
2: of those people. No, nobody. Yeah, does. did they, they? You know, you have to let them know. You have to go and after what, them. What you,
3: you have you, to go you, after them, right? Yeah, you you no, know, know. I
2: understand yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, what I'd say is I'd tell them what I was doing, and, and they were all like, that's amazing. I want to do it, you know, cause they, <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, here's yeah. a simple story and I'm, I might have said it a little bit earlier, okay, I'm, I'm in the studio with the Rolling Stones, 94, and Ron, I asked Ronnie Wood about this weird guitar he used to play, because um, I played with Rod Stewart, so I used to play a lot of Ronnie Wood's guitar parts, um, and before Ronnie was in the Stones, he was, you know, with the basses with Rod Stewart, and so,
1: Absolutely. Ronnie goes,
2: oh, that guitar, he goes, oh, I had this guitar, and then he goes, you know who gave me this guitar? Jeff, yes, he Davis. and like I said, he said it,
1: like he, was talking
2: about, <laughs> he said it like he was talking about his hero, and I thought to myself, if that guy is a hero to Ronnie Wood, that guy should be a hero to every Native American musician. And every Native American person out there, they should know that this guy is a serious role model. You know, he inspired the greatest musicians in the world. And 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 we have role models that we don't know about. And it was really important to get that info. That was the info I wanted to get at. Right, right. So mm-hmm. those guys wanted to tell the story. They wanted to talk about these guys because they were talking about hey. their heroes. Yeah,
1: they do. They want to talk. They want to tell the story. And the funny thing is, like I said, they love. You know, when I went to where I was in Hopi on the Mesa, they were telling the people. They love. He was telling me the story about the Star People and the music and all that, yeah. and it was just how how important it was. And the water was a huge issue, just like you brought up. But um. You know, yeah. getting back to your documentary. How long did it take for you to film the documentary?
2: It was about four years of uh, really mm-hmm. hard work. Because not just the filming was hard. Um, you know, you have mm-hmm. to deal with people's schedules. Steven Tyler would call me and say, hey, meet me Tuesday in L.A. So I'd fly in, and he goes, I can't do it today. And like, call me tomorrow. And like, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. No, we're not going to be able to do it. And then, I, you know, I'd have to blow up. And he'd, he'd go, okay, meet me now. And you got five minutes. And then, you know, luckily he would talk for an hour and a half. So, it was, you know, you had to do a lot of dancing. To because yep. those people are all very busy. You know, they're very busy people. And uh, so it, it was hard to get all of those interviews done. And then the other thing that was really hard was we needed to thread together the thread of Rumble, what makes Rumble so amazing, the thread of what was going on culturally um, on, mm-hmm. in the history of our country and why this story was really relevant. And, right.
1: Um, Absolutely.
2: Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. So that took,
2: that, that took us four years. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for Sundance, saying they wanted the film, we probably mm-hmm. wouldn't. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be done with the film still, but Sundance called, and they said, we yeah. want the film. We had three weeks to edit it, and then we won at Sundance. And once we won at Sundance, oh, wow. you know, the whole the floodgates opened, and, and the whole world went nuts for Rumble. Who th- so worked think with you have on a, this film? I think,
3: uh, Stevie, I think you're going to have a long play mm-hmm. with this film. It seems to be going one one place to another, you know, and I hope it just keeps going oh, on, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, we be in Sydney,
2: Australia on a Friday. You know, Elliot Easton said to me the other day, uh, the guitar player for the Cars, he's going, Stevie, I've yeah, yeah. following you on Facebook. It's like, you know, you're like in Sydney, Australia on Tuesday, and you're in Cannes on on Thursday, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> I, go, I know what the film is. The film is just global, man. We were in Hungary and when France and yeah. Germany. That's and, great. And Italy.
1: And yeah, that's great. Needs Zealand. to be told. It's yeah. like it yeah. has to be told. The story has to be told. And you know, my um, question was who worked with you on the film? Like who was uh, helping you with the cinematography and uh, all that? How how did how did that oh, work out with you?
2: I, I went to a company called Resolution Pictures in Montreal, and they had made a film called Real Engine that was pretty good. So okay. we decided to work together on Rumble, and uh, we produced the film together, and one of the producers at Resolution's name is Catherine Bainbridge. She um, was the mm-hmm. main director, and then um, our, our uh, director of photography is, is a really well known photographer uh, uh, camera cameraman in in uh, Canada uh, Fonds. he became the co-director and he shot all the beautiful scenery that you've seen and all that stuff. so it was a good mm-hmm. little combination of a bunch of us. It really took an army well, to make this film it wasn't It wasn't like a one man job it was a really hard film to make
3: Stevie, you had a really mm-hmm. good editor
2: on it, which I think is very important
3: the edit The editing on the film is really good. Well, yeah, that's what they said. They had
1: three to weeks to edit it. A,
2: three well, weeks. Well, hold on. Resolution <laughs> had, Resolution had hired an editor who came in yeah. and started telling them that's how he wanted the film to be made. And being good Canadian people, they don't like to fire people. And I wanted him fired from day one. And it was a big <laughs> ice cream about this guy. Oh, uh, really? Finally in the
1: end, really? Finally, in the end, the they, vibe yeah, just wasn't they there. Fired,
2: yeah. So finally, they fired the guy, and they brought in a new editor, a oh, story yeah. editor, and, and and a story consultant. And boom, it became great. So you're right. The editor, the editing even you know. in the end, it saved the film. And yeah, uh, and I, really you good. know, a great, a great editor is so important. It is. It is. Yeah.
1: Oh, fantastic! It is. Now, did, were you watching the dailies as you were doing this? Were you actually no, watching was, you know, them and seeing?
2: The, a lot of the interviews I shot, you know, um, between Catherine mm-hmm. and I, we shot most of them. You know, between the two of us. So that part I wasn't because you know we have an hour of each person. So it was more about stringing mm-hmm. the story together where you're picking bits and pieces from each one to make it work and Catherine was really brilliant mm-hmm. at that. Um yeah. But it, like I said it took a, it took all of us and all of our energy to make this film work. It wasn't I couldn't have done it by myself. and make You have done can it tell. Me.
1: It, it was just tough. It's beautiful. It a tough film to make, but now it's Yeah,
3: there's a, a lot of stuff involved with the movie's how, you know what I mean? It's like you can tell it's, it. Well, yeah. yeah,
1: no, it's absolutely beautifully done, and with all the films that I've seen made, and we have a film festival here in Sonoma, and um, I don't know if you know that. Um, I don't know if you uh, submitted Rumble, but that would be a really good film to either. submit for here. Uh, you should, I a, because... Hey, I mean,
3: Stevie, I, I'm on a board of the Southeastern International Film Festival. Uh, so we, we had a big thing in Nashville, and I'm really into doc film. So I don't know whether I think you're already distributed, but you know, if you ever yeah, do a are. film I'd like you to enter it in our film festival if you ever do a doc when film. When is
0: it? When we is did
3: it? well we just had it in Nashville November third through fifth in Nashville and I'm a judge and on the board and Holly's a judge every year and we just I'm really it's really And now I'm on the board.
1: Field. Did you know that? Yeah. What? <laughs> you didn't know that. Yeah, Lee.
3: Um, uh, no, I didn't know life. that. It's oh. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: So, uh,
3: Lee Stewart awesome. is the founder, Stevie. Lee Stewart is the founder, and she's had this for three years, and I've been working with her from the beginning. And uh, it's it's a very big thing, but we're really into doc films. We're, it comes worldwide. We've had uh, over 1,800 entries, by the way, you know. So uh, wow. it, I'm a very big doc film freak, you know.
2: Well, maybe, it is. maybe uh, next year we can do a special, special rumble night, just have a special show, even though it's already Oh,
1: my God. About, oh, awesome. my God. That's so incredible. Awesome.
2: That would be cool.
1: You know you know what would be good? Have you ever thought of doing the film? I don't know if you've done this, so I'm going to ask you, because I have an idea. Um, Playing the film and then having whoever can come in and play that night, during the film. Oh, we've done that. with the film in the we've background. Have you done that? You have. We haven't had them play uh, we haven't
2: had him play in the background during the film, but we've had people come like and we had a Charlie Patton thing go on after uh, yeah. like oh, wow. Well. The screening them yeah. to Yeah, we do some things like that. That's pretty cool. Everyone always wants to Oh, oh a wait player. a minute, I gotta I'm talk really, to I... you
3: about that. Steve, And Buffy Saint Marie, I think, talks mm-hmm. in the movie about Charlie
2: Patton, mm-hmm.
3: Patton. and tr- nobody knows Charlie Patton, he's unbelievable with the sound, right? Oh, yeah, he was
2: the guy who uh, – he's really the, the father of the, the Delta Blues, really. Yeah. And, uh, no, it yeah. wasn't Buffy that talked about him. Um, it was um, it was Charlie Sexton who plays with Bob Dylan. Oh, right. And, I'm uh, sorry.
1: Yeah. I know You're
2: Charlie right. very sorry. well. Yeah, so, yeah my us, name Charlie. So tell us about Charlie
3: Patton because he's big time.
2: Well, Charlie Patton was this guy that most people assumed was an African-American, and he, he was a um, – Choctaw, India, I believe. It was Choctaw, um, if, if I'm not mistaken. And he, um, you know, I, we, we used to see these old photos of him. And I just wow. assumed, like, Robert Johnson or somebody who was an African American. I was always told this, you know. And one day, yeah. give Gibbons from ZZ Tops, he he pulls me aside and says, Hey, Stevie, look at this. He goes, I, I think <laughs> Charlie Patton's got some wavy hair,
1: you know. Because
2: uh, then you start hearing that Howlin' Wolf was talking about how he learned how to play guitar from this Indian guy named Charlie yeah. Patton. And, um, that that Charlie Patton was really Charlie Patton and Link Ray were the two cornerstones of our of our yeah histo- history when it came to our film and uh, Mildred Bailey with uh, with big band singing and and uh, jazz you know yeah. so those were the yeah. real early pioneers and uh, right. and super influential super influential, influential because of course the blues influenced everybody and then Mildred Bailey her, her the first person she ever hired to sing on a radio show was Bing Crosby. Oh, wow. you know, oh, wow. and then when he went on That's incredible. He, went yeah. on the, he, went on, he was the biggest selling recording artist in the history of the world for a long time. You mm-hmm. know? So, wow. And in our mm-hmm. film Tony Bennett talked a lot about her because Tony Bennett really learned studied her to learn how to sing. That's right. So, yeah. these were some really important people and influential people, Charlie Patton, Mildred Bailey and um you know it, it Link Ray. Yep. You're right.
1: You know, I think I think this makes such an impression you know, on so many people, and it touches them in more than just one way. It's like you're learning something. That's why it's a documentary, and it's also just a really influential one because you're hearing music that you're saying, oh, my gosh, wow. That's, you know, you just yeah. never knew the story behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned Charlie Sexton before we went into uh, your story about Charlie um you know charlie Sexton. i've known charlie when he had archangels um yeah. for years in and, and beverly from yeah. beverly hills yeah i remember going to an archangels concert at the <laughs> hollywood bowl when he was playing my daughter was like oh she was like little but he and um band were just so good now see did you know you play with charlie at all one time or
2: Charlie and I have known each other since I was in Rod Stewart when we were both really young.
1: And we've been passing And uh-huh. Ironically,
2: when he we went from being a solo artist and was in the Archangels, I was producing a woman mm-hmm. named Sass Jordan and writing all of her songs.
1: Oh, and yeah, the, yeah. And, Sash
2: Jordan okay. and, the and so Sass Jordan and the Archangels toured all over together for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got yep. to see Charlie a lot. And, and, and then and i oh, Charlie years. Charlie a lot. Of years. When, when I was moving to Austin, Texas, Charlie was really helpful. I actually bought a house right around the corner from his house because our kids kids mm-hmm. uh, were going to the same school. And so, yeah, I oh, think that's Charlie right. all the time now. Yeah? yeah, he's the best. Nice. He's sweetheart. And he's in the film. Yeah, he's a dear friend.
1: I know. And an
2: incredible, know. incredible musician, too.
1: Good person. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to ask you, during when you did this film, with all the different musicians that you did work with... um. What did you find that really, really was, that touched you? Was there any part of the film that really, really made an impact on you that really you want to share with our listeners? Well, you know, there's a lot of scenes in the movie that
2: are, you know, like a lot of people, you know, laugh in the movie and they cry and it's really an emotional roller coaster, Mm -hmm. believe it or not, for a music film. And, you know, what always kills me is when you think about, I was filming Monk Bordeaux, the famous chief Monk Bordeaux from the Mardi Gras Indians, uh, New Orleans, and, mm-hmm. and when he would, he was telling me that you know I did. We all wanted to know the meaning of the Mardi Gras Indians, because to everybody we just thought it was you know a day that oh, yeah. people dressed up like Indians and danced in the street, you know, for fun like Halloween. But Monk wow. was like, no. He told me, and he could barely get the words out. He had to say it under his breath, like if he was going to get into trouble for it or something. He's like, he goes,
1: oh wow. You
2: know, you're only- well, he said this is the only time we could put on feathers and and, and celebrate being Indian without getting in trouble, you know. And, oh wow! All, had, mm-hmm. Interesting. Indian blood. It was all a secret. Wow.
1: And that's how the underground was born.
2: That's interesting. Yeah, it was an underground thing. Wow.
1: Oh, that's wow. That blew, that's blew really Quite really amazing. Yeah, yeah. Did you find a common route that ran with everyone as far as? Um, the indigenous um, part of it. Um, did you yeah. find yeah, that yeah. everybody had? What was that? What? Did, what? What everybody was the feeling there on that? Everybody had incredible rhythms.
2: Everybody had mm. incredible yep. rhythms.
1: Taboo, taboo from the they Black Eyed Peas
2: dance in this unusual way. You know, Robbie yeah. Robertson. When you listen to the band, the band's not funk right. music, mm-hmm. but it's really funky, and that's that's Robbie's right hand. That's you know? right, Robbie uh, Robertson. Mm-hmm. The rhythm. Yeah. The rhythms that these guys all had. Like it was weird. You know, I. I started my career with George Clinton and Bootsy Collins, the kings of funk, you
1: know. And, oh wow!
2: You know, but but I'm a rock player, so I could fit in in both worlds. And and there's something to be said about, and like Robert Trujillo from Metallica said, is sort of an indigenous sort of rhythm that you have, perhaps from the vibration of the earth or something. That it is vibrational
1: energy. Yep. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the rhythms
2: really linked everyone together. I thought. It's Very much Osborne, so. It's,
3: it's almost what I said at the beginning with Ozzy Osbourne, the beat. You know, the beat. Yeah. That's, no,
1: that is so true. That is so true because, you know, when I was there for the ceremony, the rhythm yeah. was the thing. It was more like the sounds of the drum and everybody's movement. And, yeah. oh, yeah. man, just the fat, the costuming and um, the dancing was, like, unbelievable. It was all rhythmous. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. Wow, you know, cool? it just takes me back, you know, and I've experienced other Indian, I've gone to a lot of different other Indian reservations and really seen it, and it's it's like the common thread really is all about, you know, a, a true love of music, um, also uh, faith, and, you know, there is a lot of superstition and not like in a bad way, but just a lot of different storytelling You know, everybody has their own, um, I think, animal and uh, spirit guide and stuff like that. Um, Yep, yep. Did you feel that with a lot of the people that you involved in the film? Did they talk about any of – did it bring a past for them, like how they grew up or anything?
2: No, no. What we we really focused on in the film was um, Mm -hmm. showing pop music influence and awesome. and how that ran. We really we really were making a, you know we wanted to make a rock documentary and we wanted to make mm-hmm. a celebration of heroes. Um, mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. weren't trying to make a Native American history piece, but we did sort of in, in, a, in, a, in a, an odd sort of way. But really, the story was about these Native American role models and heroes that were heroes right. not only. We mm-hmm. really not even heroes to Native American people because Native American people didn't know about them. They were heroes to the greatest mm-hmm. rock stars in the history of yeah. rock. John Lennon worshipped Jesse Ed Davis. John Lennon, you know. You know right. so
1: I Absolutely. John
2: Lennon, I could see John that. Lennon That's what they
1: had what at the got. reservation. When we would walk into people's, um, you know, their their huts or whatever, they had John Lennon tapes, um, records. It was funny. Yeah. Um, Spencer, you'd be fu- la- laughing. They had a lot of vinyl there at the reservation, believe yeah, it or I not. I bet, yeah.
3: I would I would I would believe that. I did. I believe
1: that. Yeah. And and that tape mhm. It's I,
2: I like this is just such a
1: myself. great project. Such a great project that you've done here and I think it really means well, a lot to a lot of people.
3: I got I gotta because, give myself a pat on the it. back, Holly, because I saw the movie and it touched me and I said this movie has gotta be on the show because it's it's so important. I think what's important is the mindset. You know, the mindset of where it's coming from is very – doc films say things. You know that, Stevie, right? The doc films say things. But this movie had a message. And if you don't get this message, then you're not on this planet, you know, and and Mm -hmm. you send an important message, as Holly's saying, it should go worldwide, uh, you know, and that's very
1: true. Globally. And just so you know, this um, broadcast – Oh, oh, I didn't even announce it. I wanted to let everyone know this show will be available afterwards on iTunes as a download if you missed it at the beginning. Um, And it will be available as a podcast on also Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio afterwards. Um, And uh, this show I think is really important. And I'm actually going to send this show to... Some of the people that are involved over there at Hopi, and also a couple other different um, reservations.
3: And, and you know was, what? I'm you gonna know what? It, I'm going to send it some, some music DJs. I know Stevie that would really be into it. Very oh, yeah. heavy music yeah. DJs. I'm right. To, you know. Yeah, I hey, think uh, Stevie, to Everybody's got to see it.
1: Stevie, I wanted to ask you: Did you guys have clans? Did every um, uh, you know Native American? Uh, grow up with different were there different clans in, in, within the You know, I um, I, I could never Indian, speak for all
2: the Native Americans in different tribes there's so many different so I don't know how all of them that's
1: are. what I wanted to how ask you because when I was there yeah. there were so many different towns and the one that I was at was the Coyote and then there was another one that was the Bear and they had something called Bear Root there Did you, do you know anything about Bear Root?
2: nope but I know I
1: know about, yeah. I know
2: about
1: the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
2: about bear root. Yeah,
1: well, bear root, bear root is something. Yeah, you're funny. Bear root is something that grows in the ground, I guess. And and they say that it brings out your um, you know, the music for people. Mm-hmm. That's part wow. of it.
0: That's pretty um,
1: really cool. Yeah, it's like a root, and music is such a huge thing, you know, in celebration and stuff. So I can <laughs> see. So now. The Rolling Stones, you bring that up a lot as far as in the film and everything, and I noticed that that was very important. Um, How much of an influence do you think that they had on your life personally when you were, you know, listening to them before you even met them? The Stones come up
2: a lot in the film because, of course, the Stones, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know any rock and roll guy that weren't influenced by the Rolling Stones, but, you know, it was just odd that... You know, I, I, I. The light bulb went off to do this story for me when I was in the studio with the Stones and Ronnie Wood was talking to me about Jesse Ed Davis. Then later on, I became Mick Jagger's guitar player and music director. Right? Wow. I was playing with Mick, and yeah. then and then I come back to open for the Stones in Toronto, Canada, and I meet Brian Wright McLeod, who's writing the Encyclopedia of Native American Recorded Music, who wants to interview me, and he schools me during that week that I'm there with the Stones, all about Link Ray, Jesse Ed Davis, and you know the, the subjects and, and Charlie Patton, and and his book just opened up my mind. And mm-hmm. from that book, I, thought, I took it to the Smithsonian, where we created the exhibit. So it just seemed like the stones had something to do that kept coming back to something yeah. that would happen yeah. related to the stones that was yeah. helping this film get made.
3: Right. Hey, listen. Yeah, I
1: go, believe that. Before
3: we go off, I want to give a plug to your book. We have to. Tell people, you wrote a book called When We Were the Boys. It's an incredible book, by the way, Stevie. And how can people oh, buy you. it? Where, where can you, you know, people my book, buy it?
2: My book is a memoir, you know, about a young kid getting out of high school and joining this gigantic super group and just blown. I was almost getting fired every week, but I was also hanging in there, and it was an amazing, funny experience. You know, Rod Stewart yeah. taught me how to steal limousines, and Rod Stewart taught me how to, you know, play stadiums. It was so if you ever were a musician or wonder what it's like to, to walk in and audition for a gigantic iconic star and, and then go in a private plane and play stadiums, this book's really funny and, and I think it's a funny book too. But you know now it's, I it's, haven't it's, read it. I'm it's gonna get
1: it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a great story. You get
2: just get it on Amazon and they ship it to you in a day. Yeah, I'm gonna go to Amazon and to get got, it. Go to Stevie mm-hmm. Solace. Yeah, you go to Stevie Solis on Amazon and it's right there. And also, by the way, we did a deal with Rumble. Amazon Prime, you can now download and watch Rumble on Amazon.
1: Right. That's where I saw that's it. Great. That's yeah. where that's where I that's where I got to see it. So, I yeah, so if actually you want to see Rumble, think it's pretty amazing. You got to see it on mm-hmm. Amazon.
2: You can see it mm-hmm. on Amazon or you can go if you're in Canada, you can see it on HBO Canada right now. HBO Canada is playing it. Now. Do,
1: do you oh, you're think you're
3: going to
2: have a see with Netflix at all? By the way, what well, we went to, the reason we went with Amazon you know, because they're in direct, direct competition with Netflix is because at the okay. time, Netflix wanted the film, but they wanted, they wanted to own and control they everything. They want to own it. They own the content. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that would have yeah. been, yeah, been, well, been okay because they pay a lot of money, but we had already pre-sold the film before we made it. We had deals, right. we had deals in place with HBO, PBS, Independent Lens, and, mm-hmm. and Arte France and Germany. Um, before we even started making the movie, you know, we had already sold it. And uh, so that's how we had the money to make the film. It's great.
1: It's yeah, great. you know, Netflix, Netflix is really is really odd. And, you know, I know that because of a lot of my friends that are making films and documentaries. I know that they do a lot of just for Netflix. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. And Amazon, they let you be a little more creative. There's a little more wiggle room, I think, with Amazon. Um, yeah, um, that's, so
2: that's all, great. Who's so whoever's going to mm-hmm. do well. Netflix is an amazing, amazing company, and Amazon's kicking ass. and You know, so it is just how the deal could work. We couldn't do the deal with Netflix because we'd already sold too many territories, and they wanted more territories, which, which you can't blame them for that.
0: I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Amazon
2: yeah. has, has really, Amazon has such a wide I
3: mean, I buy on Amazon for I don't know how many months, and it's just a great uh, uh, venue for people. Amazon's easy, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, cool. make it Very easy. Cool. That's yeah.
2: where Everyone can go get, go get rumble on Amazon. There you go. All right. <laughs> that's
1: awesome. You know, I think that that's really important that um, people know where they can get it. And also your website that we want to give out, again, real quick. Oh, cool. It's uh S T E V I E and then S A L A S and that's com correct. Yep, steviesalas.com.
2: And I, I want to exactly. tell
1: everybody
3: out there. I want them to get on YouTube and see the live performance to tell your story walking. Okay, before I leave here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, the studio version is cool. You know, you know what's funny about the studio version? Oh no, that's what? the song starting in. If you watch, if you watch from that same album, there's a video called Start Again, and, and the drummer in the video is a young Taylor Hawkins, who's the drummer oh, of the Foo wow. fighters his first, he, he got a Oh, my God. Him. He's in that video. and that was his first video. If you want to see what he looked like when he was really young, there you go. Oh, that's great. That's great,
1: yeah. That's really cool. Well, you know, I like what they say here. Um, I'm reading here. It says, Rumble tells the story of these Native American heroes that were unknown to most except the most famous musicians in pop music history. They know about them, and they tell the story of how these unsung Native American musicians indeed influenced pop music history. That's really a very good synopsis of, like, really right. excellent. You know what this is all about, and I think about. that um, if you really, yep, yeah, I no, the... if you really want to see this, it's really awesome. I would definitely like to talk with you later about um, your museum and um, some of the different programs that you're doing, because um, I have some people that uh, are looking to do a doc- more of a documentary on some different things, and that would be really good to get involved in that, um, sure. and possibly talk to you about that, and the music, too, goes along with it. That'd be cool. Um, All right. And, and me, too, to be, I be in touch tomorrow, with you also. guys. Steve, sure. I want to be yeah. in touch
3: with you also, Okay. Absolutely.
1: No problem. My big
3: goal, I've been,
2: talking to, I've been talking to guys in the Hall of Fame, and my big goal is to have a section in the Hall of Fame dedicated to Rumble and the history that these musicians. And what oh, they my did God.
3: Yeah, that's definite. Oh, that's a, right on I there, man. I think that's important. Yep. I think
1: that's so spot yep. on. Yeah, it yep. is. It really is. It has an important message to bring to people. And um, the indigenous you know, people, have a story to tell that haven't been told that hasn't had a chance to been told. And this here is a true example of like beautiful, a beautiful message. Um, TV, I want to thank you so much for being here today and I want to wish everyone, um, when they hear this, uh, it'll be right before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. And, um, what, however that is going to play out in your life, it's a day of thanks, I think. Right. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Whatever yeah. no plays
2: For me, it's a day. You know,
1: grat. For me, it's the day
2: of you know, gra- eating. A, a day of eating. <laughs> it's a day
1: of eating and gratitude. And gratitude. Yeah, <laughs> definitely gratitude. Hey, listen.
3: Wait a minute. I got to say something on this one because this what? is the day the Native Americans, the Native Americans on the first Thanksgiving helped bring the pilgrims through the first winter. And everybody better know that because they're the ones
1: who. Well, they do. But there's a lot of conflict in that story too. That's why I didn't, when I said Thanksgiving, all of a sudden they go, "Oh shit!" Excuse my language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. I, was like I, I was like, oh no, there's such a parallel there because we all really know the truth. And when you live in Sonoma, you'll know the truth because I thought. Yeah tooth and nail for a lot of the crap that went on here with um yeah, yeah. tribes. So wow. I didn't even want to go there because it's really a very sad story but um, there's a lot of positive, beautiful light that comes out in the music and you've got to see this film so check it out on, uh, on Amazon Prime and also you're saying it's in Canada right now and um what else can we say yeah. here about this? Anything else Is it going to be available? Check out Rumble. Yeah.
2: Check out the film. It's okay. everywhere. And you can get it on Amazon, and it's
1: super cool. And
2: thank you for thinking about our film, and I'm glad you guys dig it. And, uh, are you oh, kidding? Yeah. We both do. Yeah,
3: are you kidding?
1: Now, we're ending so, uh, the show with um, Redbone, Come and Get Your Love. Tell yeah. me a little bit about that song being in the film.
2: Well, you know, um, Pat Vegas who wrote the song was the bass player, Pat and Lonely Vegas, and Lonely's passed away since. But Pat was with us a couple of nights ago, and we see Pat a lot. And uh, last night uh, at the screening in Los Angeles, Edward James almost uh, the actor, really famous actor, came, and he said, Uh Pat and Lonely Vegas, they had the record at Gazzari's for the longest run there. Um, wow! Before they started Redbone, and he goes until until, until my band took over, and then we had the four-year run there, and we weren't beat until Van Halen took. Over. I never even knew Edward James almost was a <laughs> musician, but apparently Jackson Brown told me he was amazing. So, um, wow. you know, the the Vegas brothers um, were doing their thing in Los Angeles trying to figure out how to make it, and they were friends with Jimi Hendrix. Jimi loved them, and Jimi Hendrix knew they were Native American, and Jimi said, "Do the Indian thing." That's when they decided to call this man Redbone, and they put on their buckskins and they went and did uh come and get your love and uh, several other you're kidding and they sold, millions, they sold wow. millions and millions of records you know yeah red Moe.
1: well it's such a Captain great Garden, song, and i thought that was oh that was oh please that's such a great great soundtrack that whole soundtrack is just like killer and everyone looks at me oh my god what is this music i'm like you are <laughs> got to be kidding me. You know, it's like this is great music. It's like all really great music. Fox on the Run and all that music is yeah. just like so great. I want to thank so much again for being here. And I want to thank you again, Spencer, for being here today and um, being my co host and bringing Stevie to the show. Thank you so much, Stevie, again for being here today. Hey, thanks for having and, me. Uh, guys have a great we day. We love you. Yeah. you. For everyone
3: we love you.
0: Listening.
1: <laughs> Yep. Wow. Thank All you. All right. Thank Here you guys. guys go. Come and get your love. Take care. Yeah, definitely. Take care.
3: Rock and roll. Rock and roll.